This podcast is for anyone that works with clients at an ad or marketing agency, also known as a sued traditionally. This is your chance to hear from client service veterans and other industry professionals on everything advertising and account management related. My hope is every episode will all get a little better at what we do every day. Hello, everyone. If you are hearing my voice, that means you are tuning in to another exciting episode of Suits Cast. I am your host, Brooklyn Cravens. Thank you so much for listening to another episode. We've got a lot of exciting things to talk about today. It's an exciting time in advertising, right? It's the end of the year. We're in holiday season. The weather is starting to cool off, or at least if you're in Florida like me, it's starting to cool off. It might already be a little cold wherever you're at. But you know what doesn't really cool off during the holiday season is at agencies are workload. It actually does not cool off whatsoever. It gets crazy busy. Uh, And some combination of doing everything simultaneously, we're planning for next year, we're putting together presentations for those plans, and we're also executing campaigns to finish out the year for our clients. And it's always a great thing to be busy for our clients and making sure that we're, we're overseeing their brands during these busy times. But sometimes we have to be careful that if we're really busy every single day, we don't get so lost in the details of all of our projects that we forget about making time for that creative inspiration and being creative throughout the day. And really fostering that inspiration is just one of several topics that we're going to be talking about today. Today's guest actually comes from the great northern region of Virginia, and specifically Roanoke, Virginia. His name is Tom Smigelski. He is an account supervisor at NDP, as I said, out of Roanoke, Virginia. How are you doing today, Tom? I'm doing great. Thank you. Thank you so much for being on the show today. Tom actually comes with us with over 20 years of experience managing accounts at different levels, small, medium, large sized agencies, even spending some time on the client side, which is fantastic to see. And a little little fun fact about Tom, he actually speaks Polish, which is pretty cool. And, and I have to ask, though I have never been to Roanoke, Virginia, I, as a kid, was always fascinated with the story of the Roanoke colony in North Carolina with the whole Croatoan thing being on the tree. Is is there any connection in Roanoke, Virginia's history with that, or is it just a complete coincidence? Uh, no connection whatsoever. <laughs> nice. Perfect. Absolutely perfect. Well, like I said, I had to do my due diligence and ask, but you did mention earlier that it's a, it's a pretty cool artsy town, a nice craft beer scene. You mentioned it's a lot like Asheville, North Carolina. So as I said, I think I'm going to have to probably try to book a trip out there sometime soon. We can have a beer or share some wine or some great food. Absolutely. That would be awesome. We'll have to do that. But uh, kind of steering on to our topics for today, Tom, I want to start out with your experience. You know, over 20 years in the industry space, which it's so valuable to have you on here. Tell me a little bit about how you started in advertising. I think I saw on your LinkedIn that your degree is in marketing. So what what kind of has your your agency journey been like? So it's actually a really long story. Um, (laughs) So unlike a lot of um, folks who graduate from school today um, and are hired in an agency, my path to to an agency in account management uh, was not really a direct line. So fast forward about 10 years after I had been out of school is when I really got my first opportunity with an agency and really working in an account services role was with Mullen, um, which Mm -hmm. was um, at the time located just right outside of Boston. And that came about really because of a a personal networking connection that just opened the door 
for me to go in and have an informational interview. And then, um, you know, it wasn't an immediate hire, but months later, I was actually invited back in and interviewed with the team who was looking for, you know, a quote unquote, non-traditional account manager. And it was to work on the Stanley. Yeah, it was to work on the Stanley worldwide business. Mm-hmm. Um, and what Stanley was looking for was somebody to come in, um, spend time in their office and really help them um, in a consultancy role. Um, but then I also was working uh, with a few other accounts in the agency uh, several other days when I was there. So I'd yeah. love to say that it was clear sailing from there. Uh, but unfortunately, that's not the case. So I was with Mullen for a couple of years. And this was right around the time of the dot-com bubble burst. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and uh, so my major client at the time uh, decided to pull back all of their budget. A lot of the dot-com business that the agency had started disappearing. Yeah. Uh, I was on a pitch team to win some new business, which we didn't win. And so therefore, mm-hmm. I found myself looking for a new opportunity. That tends to happen, especially when there's a recession. And like you said, clients are scaling back budgets, businesses are going away. And unfortunately, you know, as you saw, agencies go away too during recessions. Absolutely. Um, things did pick up. I was able to, to land at another agency. It was a small agency compared to, to Mullen. At the time, I think there was between three to 500 people um, when I was at Mullen. And then uh, the, the next agency I landed at was much smaller, probably about 30 or 40 people. So big shift um, and a shift in terms of the, the industry that I would be working with. So I went from more of a consumer uh, B2B industry focus to now f- working with medical device and diagnostic clients. So it's very different, <laughs> totally different. Um, and you know, things were going really well until nine 11 happened. And so uh, once again, you know, the world sort of buckled up and no one knew what was going to happen. And so our clients did what pretty much everybody did. Everyone froze, uh, they cut back their budgets and, um, you know, the agency didn't go away, but I unfortunately did. And so, uh, found myself going back the contracting route um, and was really fortunate because I got a long-term contracting position um, internally at Bose. Love that company. And yeah, I mean, great company, great culture. Everything was really, really good. Um, and and again, an, another industry shift for me. I started working on more automotive. Okay. Yeah. That's, uh, that's very different. Business. Yeah. So that was going well. Uh, but having been knocked down twice, I was really looking for something that was a little bit more stable. And I was contacted by a headhunter who had an opportunity in North Carolina, ended up moving, working for an agency whose focus was more along uh, pharmaceutical, both human and animal. So another little minor shift uh, in industries. And uh, was there for several years, decided to jump over to a crosstown agency that really was not a good fit, and then found myself moving down to uh, South Carolina. Nice uh, U.S. globetrotter, I guess you could say, or U.S. trotter. Yeah, definitely um, trotting along the East Coast, up and down. And so after a few years in South Carolina, decided to, to come back up north a little bit and ended up here in Roanoke. 
Yeah, it, it's really always fascinating. You know, you mentioned uh, during kind of one of the, the economic downturns or, or 9-11, you mentioned that, you know, things are not always uh, smooth sailing. And it's and it's absolutely true with this industry as a whole on a day to day basis. And it looks very different uh, from a small agency to a large agency, just from the, the level of clients, the number of clients, the processes in place. And it's really cool that you have experienced both the large and small agency side. What what would you say are some of the big differences when it comes to account management when you're working in a larger or small shop? Is there any is there anything consistent, whether it's a strength or a weakness on those large versus small shops that you've really picked up on over time? So, I mean, it's pretty clear, right? A large shop is going to attract larger clients and mm-hmm. those larger clients typically have larger budgets. And so the projects that you're working on, the budgets that you're managing tend to be a lot bigger. Um, And because it's a bigger agency, your resources are also bigger. So your internal teams are a lot bigger. Um, And the the deliverables that you're able to to offer um, can look a lot different than a smaller shop. And of course, smaller shops tend to work with smaller clients, smaller budgets. And a lot of times, um, especially in the account management role, you've got to roll up your sleeves and become a master of all things. Right. And so, um, you know, in some of my experiences, so coming from Mullen, I worked with a a full PR team, a full media team, a full production team, smaller agency. I had to roll up my sleeves and I found myself planning and suggesting and placing media. I was working hand in hand with vendors to get things produced. And so, you know, it was foreign when I first moved to a smaller agency. But you have to sort of roll with the punches as an account manager, whether it's in a big shop or a small shop, and and kind of go with the flow and learn as you go. So I would say, you know, that that's really the the big difference. I think talent wise, um, there really isn't that much of a difference because for everyone, there's a better fit. So you can I've worked with some extremely talented, creative folks in the big agencies. But equally, I worked with uh, super talented folks in small agencies. And it was because a smaller agency for those folks felt like home and it wasn't a desire for them to be in a much bigger agency. But you mentioned something about sort of things that that you see as strengths in each one of them um, or flaws. You know, again, it's it's pretty equal across the board. So, you know, it really, in terms of account management, it, it really does come down to establishing relationships with clients. And that's both internal clients as well as your external clients. And really, if you don't get that, you're, you're not really going to last. And so I think that, um, you know, no matter where you go or size of, of the agency, uh, account management is still account management. Yeah, and uh, it's it's a very good point because even though technology has changed the way that a lot of us communicate with each other, a lot of those foundations of you know building strong relationships both with clients and internally that has not changed, and that is something that is probably not going to change if ever uh, you know in a, at least in a very long time. But uh, you know it's it's interesting. A manager of mine a number of years ago told me, hey, you know you you are client facing, and you obviously should treat your clients like they're 
our clients. But a good kind of rule of thumb as an account manager is to also look internally at your managers and your colleagues, the people that are under you, your creative and media teams, and also view them and treat them like clients so that you're you're always kind of having this air of selflessness and always kind of having an air of trying to look out for everybody. And I think I think that was actually pretty sage advice. I agree 100 um, percent. I learned that along the way. And that is something that I I tend to preach and follow. Oh, yeah. Now, when we talk about uh, when we talk about things not really changing over time, another one of those things outside of advertising, like you mentioned earlier, are economic downturns. And you have experienced a number of those, um, you know, over the course of your experience or over the course of your your career in advertising. What would you say uh, with with some of the wins? And I know in your history, you talked about how that kind of affected your career and shifting over. But during some of those downturns, some of the account wins, you know, what 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 do you think it was for those clients that stuck with you and the agency you were at? at the time, what do you think it was that kept those guys around instead of freezing or, or firing and firing your agency? Jeez, that's a hard question because, um, you know, part of it really does come down to the relationships that were established, the level of work that had been done and the success that the client had achieved. I can't always say that during those downturns that clients didn't leave um, or yeah. that the agency didn't lose an account because not only during those downturns was an agency vulnerable, but the clients themselves were vulnerable. That's a very good point. And many times those clients moved um, or lost their positions. And so therefore the relationship that was spent being built um, suddenly had to start all over again. And we all know how that works in the agency world. But unfortunately, the saying of money talks really is true. And when the money's not there, clients tend to walk as well. But you know what I saw was that those clients who decided to stick around did so because they valued the product of the agency. They really valued you know, the relationship, but more importantly, they valued the thinking. They valued the strategy and they valued the creative itself. Those are those are all very important things. And I, I know we're we're coming up on, I think, 10 years since our last recession here in the States. And uh, I think I think, you know, there's a lot of a lot of murmuring in, in the, the retail space and in I think even the housing space that potentially it, when is the next recession? Is it going to be sooner than later? So I think I think even though the picture is a little gloomier when it comes to advertising, it's it's a very important lesson for all of us to take heart. Now, with that being said, the aspect of relationships, again, just going back, whether it's something that's client facing or whether it's internal, we always as account managers have to be fostering really strong relationships. And something that you mentioned to me before our interview is that mentoring is a huge part of what you do and what you preach. Can you talk a little bit about what your mentoring process is and why it's such a big part of what you do on a daily basis? So I was actually really fortunate really early on in my career to work for several fantastic account supervisors and directors who really took an interest in me, my growth and my success. And that really inspired me to do to do better um, and to be better and also to want to pay that forward one day. I'm originally from New England, which means I'm a straight shooter. I prefer somebody who's honest and genuine and I really don't have patience for somebody who who tries to fake it, and or you know comes across as a know-it-all because typically those mm-hmm. people aren't that. Part of what I love about the agency business is that it's a never-ending stream of learning and challenges. You know, mm-hmm. and I learned a long I learned long ago that there's no way that I would ever know everything, but I could learn and I could continue to learn 
and I could um, get a lot closer to knowing more than I did before. So mentoring to me is sharing knowledge. It's sharing knowledge. It's sharing experiences. It's working with somebody who honestly expresses a desire to want to be better, somebody who wants to grow and to succeed. And so I've had the pleasure of working with several account managers under me who had that, um, and they welcomed help with open arms. And it wasn't so much of, can you show me how to do this and, or can you do this for me? It truly was share your experiences, talk to me about, you know, when you experienced a similar challenge to this, you know, show me how, how you or others really think about things so that I can start thinking that same way because I view you as successful. I would like to follow in your footsteps and be equally as successful. Right. And that mentoring, like you said, it's it's important that obviously the, the person mentoring someone is invested, but also the mentoree is also someone who's interested in learning, which I guess I guess if you're not interested in learning in this industry, then you're, you're probably not going to last long in it anyway. That's absolutely correct. Right. Now, what differences in your career along this line of mentoring would you say you see in account managers or really kind of in any level of the agency? What differences would you say you see in those people who either have been mentored or are mentoring someone and versus people who there's not really any kind of mentorship presence at all? So for those who are mentoring or being mentored, there's there's value, right? For those who are not, um, there's not a lot of value. I think it's, mm-hmm. it, it's really interesting. The level of commitment, the level of interest, the level of work that you see from somebody who is in a mentoring position, either being mentored or is a mentor to somebody, uh, is so much different. I think there's an investment to the work and the individual and the agency that you just don't see from somebody who who doesn't have that same experience. You know, those folks who who tend to shy away from finding somebody to mentor them or f- mentoring somebody else tend to be not as invested and Mm -hmm. tend to fall out of the equation at some point. Yeah, it affects the work. It affects, I think, the the perception from the client about what the agency is doing for their brand you know Correct. now um some folks or well some shops i'll say as you may have experienced and definitely as you can imagine don't really have that kind of mentoring you know across the board uh it's not it's not a picture perfect world and um i guess my question next question would be for maybe some of the listeners who are at a, a really small shop who don't really have that kind of outlet wherever they're at or maybe they're at a super big agency and they kind of of feel like a number and that there's not really anyone above them that is interested in them or that they can kind of reach out to, what tips do you have for them in order to grow and learn where they're at in a similar way? So um, I was really fortunate to to meet some folks who were very involved with the local um, American Advertising Federation. Uh, it's a great opportunity to volunteer some time, sit on a board or on a committee and meet people who work in your industry, but not mm-hmm. necessarily in your same agency. Uh, right. And, and that's a, a great place to meet people on a much more casual basis, connect with somebody personally who, who may be looking to mentor somebody because they may be working somewhere where they don't have that same opportunity. So I would say it's always a good thing 
to, you know, see what's going on in your own neck of the woods, um, see what types of opportunities uh, are available for you to volunteer, to be a part of, and, and really embrace those and look for those opportunities. Yeah, I think that's a great piece of advice. I actually am part of the Ad Federation here in Daytona Beach. And just to kind of echo what you're saying, uh, there are some fantastic people, very smart people that are in the marketing and ad space, but don't work at the agency. And just some of the connections that I've made in my past few years of being here have been really, really cool. I am actually currently on the board for it, uh, putting putting events together uh, with the communications team. And it's, and it's a good time. So I got to echo that, which I guess this is a really random question, but I think a mutual connection of ours, Todd, uh, up in the Roanoke area. I think that with the Ad Federation, you guys put out a, a documentary on uh, what the state of advertising looks like in Roanoke, and I have watched about half of that, and it's it's a really cool video. It is. Uh, it's actually like a uh, historical perspective right. of uh, of people and things that happened in the ad industry here in Roanoke. Yeah, which is is pretty awesome. So, uh, and I, I'll post a link to it uh, for listeners after the episode. But it's since you mentioned Ad Fed, I just want to mention that was a really cool documentary. Documentary. So, um, but yeah, those are all great tips and I 100% agree. And, you know, when we talk about mentoring, you know, that's, that's a very important part of it is growing as uh, a person and imparting that growth elsewhere. Another way to grow though, as you know, is just to, is just to do our jobs and just to make sure that we're, you know, actually servicing our accounts the way that they're paying us to. But another, another thing that you have also mentioned, which is interesting is when it comes to actually rolling up your sleeves and digging into a project is that it's sometimes really, really easy to get bogged down into what a, a client or a set of clients need on a day-to-day basis, especially on the smaller side where you're doing a lot of things yourself. Uh, how do you how do you kind of not fall into that trap of getting so busy with the details that you you forget about creativity and I think as you like to call it, inspiration? Yeah, that's a slippery slope, and you know it, it is. <laughs> You know, we talked at the beginning of, of our conversation about how right now uh, we're all busy, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, we're, as you mentioned, it's that time of the year where we're either wrapping things up or we're uh, planning and looking ahead to, to what's going to happen next year. I think having the resources available to you in an agency, you know, obviously in a larger agency, you're able to spread the work out a little bit more than when you're in a, in a smaller agency where you, you really do have to focus on just you know, getting things done. But that doesn't mean that you can't really look for opportunities of inspiration. So, you know, for me, I I try to impose this edict that don't give me infor- information, give me inspiration. Because with that, you know, with information, it's so finite. I, I, I hear what you're saying. I'm going to take that and I'm going to run with it versus inspiration, like, wow, that really changed the way I'm looking at something. Um, I want to sit on this a little bit. I want to think about this. I'm having all these great ideas. And from that fosters, you know, maybe new projects, maybe new creative, etc. So uh, for me, when I when I talk about inspiration, and what it means to to me and to an account team, I think it really is about uh, being open to to a different perspective. Mm -hmm. It's it's about changing the perception that you have currently. And that could be that list of projects that need to be done, but maybe looking at it a little bit differently, being open to seeing things differently and uncovering things that are that may lie deep below that surface. Mm-hmm. And I think for those folks who are able to do that, it leads to some really great, unique insight 
which in the end, as I mentioned, can lead to extraordinary creative. It's true. And would you say that in in terms of fostering inspiration, either with yourself or with your account team, do you have a, kind of a process that goes along with this edict personally, or is it just kind of one of those things where you know you a client or or someone under you brings a project or a situation, you say, "All right, I hear the details, but let me spend some time and think about this and kind of come at it from a different way." Yeah, I think it's more of the the latter. Yeah. Um, you know, it it really is that ability that we have as account managers to separate ourselves from what we know and uh, really go into that uncomfortable territory of what we don't know. Um, so it's it's really looking beyond what's on the surface. So the one thing that I that really kind of bothers me about account people is that a lot of times it really is about getting things off your list of things to do. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, a lot of times, a project brief or a creative brief is one of those things that you just have to do. And, you know, it's a pet peeve of mine to pick up a creative brief, you know, a quote unquote creative brief. My pet peeve is picking it up and um, reading information that you could find very easily in a brochure or on a website. And it's really just information and right. information can be boring. Mm-hmm. Right? And what's really inspiring about information? really nothing. And so I think that as an account um, person, you've got to learn to look beyond research and uh, beyond information and really allow yourselves to look at things differently. Mm -hmm. And when you do that, you'll see great things. And those nuggets lead to great creative possibilities. So for me, it's about, you know, delivering some results to my clients, but it's also about uh, the the method of that delivery, right? So I want to be associated with some really great work. And so that's a, a drive for me to really step outside of what I know and start looking for things that are inspirational. It excites the client. It excites the uh, the creative teams that work on it. And really, if you think about it, you're, this is your opportunity as an account person to really be a hero. Those are fantastic pieces of advice. And I, I really like how you talk about approaching it almost from the perspective of kind of overcoming the unknown, whether it is, uh, you know, the, the, the unknown aspect of a project or, you know, an aspect of the client, I think having that perspective of, you know, what, what don't I know, how can I look at this differently and how can I kind of put my own biases and what I think I know to the side so I can really see this from a creative way. I I really, really like that. Uh, And, and it's interesting with that, you've also mentioned that it's important that account people really own this. And you mentioned even before we got on here that when it comes to creativity, it's got to start with the account person. And why, in your view, is it supposed to come from the account person initially? Well, I mean, look at any piece of creative, any campaign, an ad, collateral piece, or even sales uh, communication, right? Anything that's created by an agency um, and their creative team on behalf of a client starts with a creative brief, right? I know in every agency I've ever worked at, my creative team, I could go in and I could talk to them about something or I could talk to them about an idea. Mm-hmm. And they always look at me and they say, I need a brief. You know, before <laughs> I can get started, give me a brief. Um, and so that brief really is that um, entry point mm-hmm. to creativity. And, and, you know, guess who puts together those briefs? It's we the do. account person. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. 
So, you know, that brief, when we're looking at it, we need to challenge ourselves. We need to, to make it creative. Um, we need to look at that as a document that is going to inspire creativity through strategy. So think about it this way. What goes in directly affects what comes out. It's very, right? very true. So, so, you know, think about it this way. Give a creative team an information-based, bland, creative brief. You know, a bunch of bullet points that say the client wants a three-panel brochure, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you know, you're likely going to get a bland, information-based idea that comes back. Right. Inspire that same team, and you'll likely get something back that's inspirational and highly creative. Yeah, that's a that's a good thing. I think I think a lot of times account people don't focus on their uh, when it comes to putting together something like a brief or giving all the details to creative and media. I do think that the attitude is a huge part of that. And I think that having a positive attitude, but also like you're saying, have an attitude that's really grounded in that inspiration and trying to find not not what what's just the information of what I need to do. What what are the actual unique angles that are going to make this exact piece stand out? And I think, like you said, it's not only going to inspire the team, but it's going to end up inspiring the work. And uh, that, that of course is going to make the client happy. So I think that's, uh, I think that's great advice. So thank you for that. Uh, I do think just looking at the clock, we are, uh, I think we're, we're just about running out of time here. Um, so thank you again so much, Tom, for, for being on the show and chatting with me. Uh, I gotta, I gotta finish it with a curveball question though, just to kind of keep you on your toes. Okay. You you said your family came from Poland years ago. You were telling me before, what is your favorite Polish dish to eat? Pierogi. Ah, pierogies or pierogies, I think, as you pronounce them. So (laughs) now are pierogies, do they in in Poland or the way you like them, do they kind of are they always filled with the same thing or do you like them with different varieties of fillings? So um, they're not always filled with the same thing and people do get really creative. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, you do find some of the standards, you know, you get your cheese, you get your potato and cheese and then you get some cabbage or meat. But then those all sound good. Just throw it all in there. Yeah. But then uh, during different times of the year, obviously, whatever you have on hand um, can also go in there. So some of my favorites have always been like things stuffed with uh, like blueberries or uh, strawberries. And you make that with a nice cream, like a a sour cream and sugary type of a cream on that. Mm -hmm. And uh, Mm -hmm. can't be beat. Oh man, that's like, that's like a crepe almost. That sounds awesome. Well, that was, that was a very good answer. I sometimes ask these curveball questions and it really, it really catches people <laughs> off guard. So I, I like the thought out one there and the short amount of time, but, uh, well, yeah, Tom, thank you again so much for being on the show. Very insightful, uh, responses from you on everything. If some of our listeners want to get in touch with you, uh, personally, what, what is the best way for them to keep in touch? Uh, phone or email, uh, start with email. Let's develop a relationship and and see where that goes. Awesome. Cool. And I think that was, uh, I think your, your email was, it was your Gmail that I have, or was it your, your agency email? What do you prefer? Uh, let's do the agency email. So it's, uh, Tom S T O M S as in Sam at NDP dot agency. Dot agency. Awesome. I will be sure to have that in the show notes for everyone that may have not heard that. But Tom, thank you again for being on the show and uh, definitely looking forward to uh, drawing drawing insights from you moving forward. And I, I hope you have a fantastic day. Brooklyn, thank you so much. And you do the same. 
And a huge thank you to all the guy and gal listeners out there. This is the end of another episode of SuitsCast. If you ever have a burning question you'd love to hear addressed in the show, or maybe you just want to get in touch with me and leave some feedback, I would love to hear from you. Please shoot me an email at suitscast at gmail.com. One more time, that's suitscast at gmail.com. And lastly, if you'd like to support SuitsCast, there are two ways you can do so. The first way, if you haven't done so already, is to subscribe so you'll know exactly when the next episode is ready for your next listening session. And secondly, head on over to Apple Podcasts app if you aren't already there and leave a review for the show. Let me know and potential listeners know exactly what your thoughts are on SuitsCast. And with that, that is all the time we have for today. Thanks again so much. See you next time and Suits out.